you're listening to Birds, Bees, and Teas, a sexuality education and storytelling podcast hosted by yours truly, Miss Nia Angie Africana Sutton. Hey teasers, welcome back to another episode of Birds, Bees, and Teas, where we talk all things sex and sexuality. Now, you can't have conversations about sex and sexuality without uplifting reproductive justice and its role in larger social justice movements. Reproductive justice is the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, have children or not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. Reproductive justice centers Black women, Indigenous women, women of color, and all gender-oppressed people. RJ work does not exist without reproductive health and reproductive rights, like living without fear of violence and freedom from all forms of reproductive oppression. However, right now, the reproductive and human rights of Black people are being challenged globally. And that is why I have to use this platform to uplift these issues. In the United States, the Black Lives Matter movement was started to call for justice for Black Americans. But right now, we see that this movement has extended globally with the protests that occurred throughout the summer and now with what's happening with the NSARS movement in Nigeria. On this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Kalechi Igwem, who will provide expertise on the NSARS movement. Dr. Kalechi Igwem is the Executive Director of Appeal Incorporated. He is a longtime community activist in the Washington DC area and a commentator for several local and international news outlets on social justice. He is the founder and president of the Ebeneche Scholarship Foundation, providing scholarships for children in the Eastern region of Nigeria. His many activities include serving as a coordinator of the Manhood Training Program at Ujama School, lifetime membership of the African Freedom Fund, He's also a member of the United Black Community and the Washington DC Citywide Kwanzaa Planning Committee. He's a member of many more organizations where he has received countless service awards as a community organizer. So I hope that you all enjoy this episode and are able to learn from our speaker and learn from this episode in the ways that I did. So thank you so much, Dr. Igwin, for joining us today. Um, thank you for being a part of this and for sharing and shedding your light on um, the issues that are going on. Um, so I have a few questions for you. Um, and, and, and thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the opportunity to share with your, with your audience. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate you and we welcome you here. Um, so if there's anything that you want to add to your bio, um, I would welcome that. It's small enough. <laughs> Okay. Um, yes, um, and I wanted to just emphasize that, you know, um, we may not have the expertise, um, but there's always people who are in our communities um, who can really bring us and connect us across the diaspora, and we'll talk about that today. Um, so I'm really excited to get into this conversation. So my first question for you, Dr. Igwam, is um, what was SARS and how did the end SARS movement begin? We know right. that. Right, it, it's probably probably said what is SARS because SARS still exists. I mean, um, SARS stands for it's, it's, it's a special anti-robbery squad of the Nigerian uh, police for lack for federal police, uh, the equivalent of federal police. Um, and it started in uh, 1992, and uh, its its aim is it's supposed to be like a um, a special unit that's, that's targeting you know hard to catch criminals. Um, you can I mean, and oftentimes they're undercover. Oftentimes they're um, they may look more like what may stereotypically be seen as a criminal. 
in terms of how they dress and how they what they drive and they they sort of the undercover cops, but it's it's way deeper than that. You know, okay. that's the idea was to have a a, a a a group that would a squad that would be able to infiltrate difficult to catch criminals. Um, and it didn't take very long before reports of abuse uh, began to uh, be heard. Of course, now we have social media. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit. So um, I would say the volume of complaints, and, and there have been many, many promises to end, end, end uh, a SARS, by the way. This is not the first time you know, we've talked about ending SARS and the government has promised to end SARS only to bring it back. Um, I think it's done at least four times. Um, yeah. The first uh, major cry to end SARS was actually the end SARS hashtag didn't start in October, right? You know, it, it sort of blew up in October of this year, but it's been around since 2017. Um, you know, on Twitter, that's when, it, you know, it, it was a few little demonstrations here and there, a um, few posts here and there, didn't obviously catch fire, but that, you know, the call to end SARS as a unit that uh, ends up being, that end up acting, not just dressing like, but acting like um, the criminal is supposed to be stopping, you know, they basically became, mm -hmm. you know, the villains, you know, they, because they were, they were unchecked. Um, and they were given broad, uh, broad police powers, and we all know what happens with police when they're unchecked. Um, there are a lot of similarities between SARS and well, general police here in the U.S., um, and, I, and I'm sure some of that will, will, will come about. One major similarity between, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, is that you know, Black Lives Matter didn't start in 2020, right? It started in 2012, uh, 2013, and it, but it didn't really catch fire until something happened. You know, and there's several things that have happened, but one thing happened to just make it, it's similar to that. You know, the NSARS movement has been going on for some time, um, but it didn't really become a movement until, uh, until uh, October 8th, which is actually just a, a week after Nigeria celebrated its 60th Independence Day. Independence Day for Nigeria is October 1st. So like a week later, this video surfaced of this young man being dragged out of his vehicle, Mercedes-Benz, I believe it was, and brutalized by police. And which, and that's basically what, they, what they've been doing. They uh, have been um, throughout the country, especially in places where, uh, where you have ur urban centers. They've been primarily targeting Black men, again, um, targeting, uh, you know, black men that are, you know, young, young black men, particularly young black men, if they see them driving a nice car, they see them wearing, wearing nice clothes, if they see them, they, if they have locks, if they see them, you know, they, they basically profile them, but they're not profiling them to stop crime, they're profiling them to extort them. So mm -hmm. what they do is, you know, they, they, they look for somebody who looks like um, they have money and based on their age, they may surmise, or maybe that person may be involved in some illegal stuff, some so-called Yahoo boys, you know, the, 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 the unfortunate uh, stereotypical Nigerian prince, right? All these, you know, these folks who run on the internet scams, they're like, how, how this 20-some-year-old cat got this car, got this house, you know? So they profile based on those things, but, but they're not really trying to stop them. They're just trying to get money from them. So they, what they do is they'll, they'll torture them, you know, they'll arrest them, they'll lock them up, they, may, they beat them, just try and, try and get them to give them some of that money. Um, you know, so they became the, the criminals, you know, more so. Um, and, you know, and so primarily they targeted uh, young, young black men and target young black men, and they also target uh, young women as well but, but unfortunately, with, with young women, they don't want money from them. They usually, uh, you know, uh, they usually are looking for somebody to sexually assault. So those often, lead, and they rape some of the, the, the brothers too. But, uh, you know, but uh, uh, the women usually, 
what you hear reports of is, 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 is assault and rape. While with the brothers, they get beat up, they get tortured, they get robbed, stuff like that. So, but, but it, you know, it, it just happened to happen that something goes viral on social media and, um, uh, you know, a, a couple of people, actually, there's a couple of uh, celebrities and a few other people on the ground in Lagos uh, decided they were going to have a demonstration because this whole thing is, you know, we're tired of it expecting a few hundred people to maybe 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 a handful maybe a hundred they're lucky and thousands showed up mm. and you know which is how these things happen and it you know it became before you know it every day it was more and more people that began to spread throughout the country and of course it didn't take long before it, you know it got on social media and it began to spread um in the world um at least to an extent and then uh, I think the, the thing that probably caught the attention of the world more than anything was uh, what happened in Lakey, uh, which was being live streamed because people were beginning to follow the, the, the protest. It was right there live. They actually, Lakey is, is, Lakey is the, the most plush, um, plush may not be a word that people recognize in this context, the most um, high-end, you know, uh, sophisticated, expensive part of Lagos. Lagos is a huge city. Okay. Um, Lagos has the has twice the population of New York. So you're not thinking New York is big, multiply that. That's New York. Wow. That's Lagos, right? So Lagos is when we say Lagos, Lagos is, is the most populous city in Africa and it has it has a greater population, twice the population. New York is the biggest city in, in the population in the US. Mm -hmm. That's how big Lagos is. It's a huge city. With a, with a population of, uh, of 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 about 14 a million, and really, if you count the suburbs, you're talking about more like 30 million going to the state of of of, of Lagos. So it's a huge population. So Lakey is is sort of like the most exclusive. Well, one of the most exclusive. It's, it's the most. It's it's the most. Uh, you know, all the Nigerian movies you see, if y'all like Nollywood, a lot of them are set in Lakey. Okay. Um, all you know, all the celebrities when they have the concerts, and the, you know, when, when Rihanna goes to you know uh, to to Lagos, or when uh, uh, when Jay Z goes to Nigeria to perform, or Beyonce, they perform in Lake. It's just the spot. Um, okay. So, but there's a big gate. There's a huge gate. It's more of a, it's a toll booth basically, but it's a huge toll booth to get into Lakey. And there's always traffic there, always traffic. It's Lagos is known for traffic. You're going to be in traffic for four hours just going to the store sometimes. So um, that's where the, the, the demonstrators were, were at the, at the toll gate. Mm -hmm. And they took out the cameras that, that are normally fixed there. You know, mm -hmm. they, they took them out, turned them off, broke them, whatever they did. It stopped working for some reason because they knew they were getting ready to basically they wanted to stop this. They wanted to get, stop the protesters, stop the demonstrators. Um, and then the police came, and I'm not sure what they expected to happen, but when they came, they started shooting people. And it just so happened that somebody, you know, a few folks were actually uh, live streaming, and that's how the world saw it. That's really what caught the attention of the world was that incident, um, you know, right there at the Lakey um, toll, toll for the bridge. Yeah. Thank you for um, sharing all of the context around that. Um, I know for me as like a Black American, like hearing those references that um, tie uh, this story to many of the experiences that we've had in this country, um, definitely bring it home for me and make it more relevant. So I appreciate that. Um, so one thing I uh, want to touch on, um, and you brought it up already, was the sexual violence that was um, that has been occurring as a result of um, SARS being in existence and things like that. Um, and so, as far as like reproductive justice goes and reproductive rights, um, we know that globally we have like a moral standpoint that people should be able to live lives that are free of sexual violence. Um, and that are, uh, you know, and that they're able to um, have control over things like that that happen in their lives. Um, so how is the um, NSARS movement um, addressing uh, sexual violence specifically? 
or like what are some ways that you think this uh the movement could address um that more right well i mean obviously it's it's right in there you know this this, this is one of the major complaints um that we get from you know this so-called special unit is sexual violence both against um, uh, men but primarily against women um so you know it, and, and it's it's un, it's unfeathered um power you know it's it's you know, you've given somebody authority and given them a gun and it feels as if you know because we know sexual violence isn't about sex it's about power and oppression mm-hmm. so they uh, they they see this opportunity to ex- express uh that oppression in in this way and um you know the movement to end SARS and any entity and, and normally Nigerian police are not known for I mean regular police uh, we're not known for violence they're not known for things like this um they're, they're known for extortion in the sense of you know you stop they stop you on the side of the road and ask you for you know some small amount of money you know and if you don't do it they you know they might search your car waste your time and then send you on your way but usually stuff like that and, and that's not a normal thing but that's just something you encounter in some parts of Nigeria so this this particular unit uh, seems to be uh, special in their um, in their uh, expression of, of violence and, and, and oppression and the, the movement to stop them is also the movement to stop the, the sexual violence that, that they perpetrate and all those that you know because you tend to have an infrastructure, you know, they, it's not just them. It's the people that support them, people that cover up for them, people that, that hire them. Um, you know, you have uh, people who have money so they don't want to intimidate somebody for whatever reason. And they can send them to go to that person's house and arrest them. You know, this, you know, might be a young lady might turn them down. They might say, go, you know, so they, you know, they're a tool for people who are who feel powerful and want to use that power to oppress, oppress other people. So the movement to end SARS is not just about SARS. Um, it's really about bad governance. It's really about ending violence. It's really about uh, ending poverty, um, because all these things are tied. You know, even you know, even the police themselves are victims. You know, not necessarily not necessarily the SARS police, but the general police um, are victims of that of the same system. Even though they end up being the enforcer of it, they themselves are not paid a living wage. They're not paid enough to be to survive on. So the reason why they turn to crime, well, not the reason, but one of the reasons that they keeps it going is that if they didn't do it, they wouldn't be able to feed their families or send their yeah. children to school. So the poverty um, is 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 tied in there. Just to give you context, and, and I don't know, I don't know how much people know about Nigeria. Nigeria is a very very wealthy country. It is one of the was one of the most wealthiest countries in the world, and definitely in Africa. And we know how uh, we know about the potential wealth of Africa. Um, Nigerian senators, which are very similar similar to to senators here in um, in the U.S., I mean the national senators, East State senators, represented that whole thing. It's very similar. Um, Nigerian senators, for instance, every month they get paid the equivalent of thirty five thousand dollars a month. That's their salary, which is about yeah, which is about about fifteen million naira. That's their monthly salary. Mm. Every month that that money hits their bank account, you know, thirty five in, in in the case of Nigerian in naira, fourteen million naira hits their bank every single month, um, and that's just the money they're getting paid. They pretty much everything else is covered for them. So the government, you know, they 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 have a lot of you know uh, gratuities. They have mm-hmm. a, they make a lot of side deals. A whole yeah. lot of money flows through them, uh, uh, you know, and and they and they tend to catch part of it as it flows through them. Um, but these people who are making fourteen, fifteen million naira um, a month are mm-hmm. unwilling to raise the minimum wage in Nigeria to uh, to um, Hundred thousand naira, which is equivalent of maybe about two hundred, maybe two hundred fifty dollars a month, minimum wage, because they, mm-hmm. they do wages based on month. So imagine somebody, somebody making thirty five, you know, thirty five thousand a month, don't want somebody else to get paid, you know, two hundred fifty dollars that same month. 
so when I say Nigeria is a very wealthy country, there's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of wealthy people. The politicians are enormously wealthy. We know the resources are there. So it's not a matter of not being able to. Um, it's a matter of control, another form of violence. It's another, another form of violence upon the people, the children, because it affects everything. It affects education, mm -hmm. healthcare, because people are not, in, and, and people are not able to sustain themselves in their own environment, despite the fact that there's so much wealth. I mean, you know, these are, these are cats that live in mansions that will make, the, make, make Donald Trump be like, you know, right? Yeah, look <laughs> exactly. at but but they make so much money that for them it's nothing. I mean, these you know they Nigeria has uh, probably one of the worst road systems I've ever experienced. Um, the roads are just really really bad. I mean, everywhere you know for no good reason. Mm -hmm. um, not because money's not allocated to, to build a road because they they allocate billions of dollars to build roads. But the problem is these senators and these politicians and these governors and these you know, uh, in, in, in the equivalent of, of council people, you know, local government uh, leaders and all these folks, they, they basically steal that money. So the roads never get, get properly built. And you wonder how you're going to ride your, 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 your Jeep, because they call it a, a G-Mobile, whatever, the, 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 the uh, Mercedes, how you going to ride that on that bad road? But they don't really care because when, once they break down, they write a check and ride and put another one in, in, the, in the garage the next day. So that's the problem is is, is the yeah. fact that you know that you know the, the there is so much wealth and I think that part of the reason is that reason why it's like that is because um, the amount of wealth is so much the greed is immeasurable. So this is all part of the violence. So the you know the NSAR movement is not just about the police, right? Mm -hmm. It's about all the violence perpetrated on the people economically, um, health wise, socially, and you know there's there's a need for a change and need for for new governance that's actually accountable to the people from the top down um and the response to the movement you know is demonstrative of the fact that we don't have a representative government you know all they really did was i mean and and this is how things are connected between the u.s and and uh, and nigeria and things have always been connected between the u.s especially when it comes to black people um and uh and and uh and, and the continent you know uh, malcolm x once famously said if you don't if you don't care about um what's happening in the congo you don't care about what's happening in mississippi you know if if it wasn't for the 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 uprising that happened in the u.s i believe if it wasn't for the um the, the black lives matter movement you know i i, I don't think people would have responded this time in this way for SARS. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that they, you know, because Nigerians were in Lagos in other parts of Nigeria protesting on behalf of Black Lives Matter. They were in the streets in Nigeria chanting Black Lives Matter. So when this happened, you know, and, 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 and came up to the, you know, the, you know, whatever controls the social media, all of a sudden it was out, they had to respond. How do you go march, you know, for, for places, you know, you know, uh, uh, five to four, you know, 7,000 miles away and we right here. So right. You know, I, I think that one sort of, uh, you know, fed the other, but also um, the response of Donald Trump to the Black Lives Matter movement is exactly the response that the Nigerian president uh, gave. He basically blamed the protesters and told them all to get off the streets. Didn't respond to the violence um, that perpetu that led to the protest didn't respond to the shootings that were documented um, in Lagos or all the violence that was going on. He acted like none of that happened. Didn't even reference it. Mm -hmm. he, he he basically what they did in Nigeria is they instituted a 24-hour lockdown throughout the whole country. For so for 24 hours in some places, some places a little longer, you could not leave the house. It was illegal to be out of the house. They locked down the whole country. That's what the president did in response. That's why you haven't seen any fresh videos of SARS demonstrations mm -hmm. because the whole country uh, is in lockdown. I think as as of tomorrow, they're uh, they're transitioning to a curfew, and it differs from state to state in Nigeria. But they they, they transition to a curfew where 
you're out, you're allowed, you're allowed to be out of your house, you know, um, at 6 a.m., but you have to be back in by 6 p.m. So basically, you can't be out at night. So that's been, and, and, and it has effectively shut down the protest because if the police are unaccountable um, before, if you if you out there now, you you put right. your life in your own hands. Mm-hmm. And the organizers of the and I and I say the organizers because really SARS is, is not and SARS is not a it's not organized by any one group. But some of the groups in fact one of the groups that's that's uh been visible uh in organizing is is the feminist coalition of Nigeria. Um and them and many other groups have basically told folks stay home, listen to you know, we don't we don't want to mourn anybody else. We don't want anybody else getting, getting killed, getting hurt. You know, we're going to move online. Um, we're going to, you know, do our organizing, you know, uh, offline, if you will, but, but stay home. So they pretty much called off the protests because you know, they don't want, because it's primarily young people who are the, are the, the most disenfranchised of the population, even though they end up by being about half of the population. Um, told them mm-hmm. to stay home, you know, because you know they, they got. Nigeria has some of the most pop, most um, educated population in the world, you know, uh, uh, per capita, you know, more PhDs, more uh, bachelor's degrees, just overly educated, but no jobs. <laughs> you know, you go to school, you get an engineering degree, and you ain't had a job in in, in, uh, in in ten years. You get frustrated. But they told them to stay home. You know, we're gonna work offline and online. You know, just let this let you know, so we don't put anybody else in jeopardy. Um, so, in, in a lot of ways, you know, the the protests in Nigeria have been informed by the protests in, in the in the U.S. and the, and the response of the Nigerian government has been informed by by the by by the uh, um, of course Nigeria Nigerian police are, are are equivalent, I would say, to the police in the South in the '60s, in the '50s. In the sense that um, the level of accountability, I mean, you know, now police, I mean, I'm not sure they really care in the U.S., but they, they care a little bit because they can get fired. You know, they can get right. some, they can get bad press. They can, their families can be threatened, whatever, whatever, whatever happens, they feel some degree. But back in the day, you know, you know, if you were in Selma, they didn't care. That's kind of where that mentality-wise, that's where the Nigerian police is. So because of that, uh, it, it made no sense to send the children out, the youth out, you know, to go and basically get slaughtered. Um, but, you know, a, a much more complicated strategy needs to be devised uh, to really bring about real change. Yeah, absolutely. So the young people have really been on the forefront. Of- absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They're, they're the ones driving it. So um, how do you think that, um, like, young people here and young people in Nigeria can um, learn from each other as the leaders of both the Black Lives Matter movement and um, playing a pivotal role in the SARS movement. Absolutely. And, you know, the two have always, like I said, always been connected. Not now, not recently, always, always. I mean, I don't think that you'd have independent African states if it wasn't for the agitation of Africans here in the U.S. Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, some of the progress that happened here in the U.S. would have happened if not for the um, the resistance that was going on on the continent. It, you know, the, the two have always been tied. Um, and even now, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, the, the, the thing that the, you can probably do to bring about movement in the, in the Nigerian government would be to bring international pressure. Because internal pressure is almost impossible to come about because the level of power these the, the, the men in political positions are so powerful yeah they're so powerful you can't touch them i mean they're so wealthy you can't touch them and these cats got like five six houses in in in, in the each you know in, in potomac right they got you know swiss <laughs> alps you know cayman islands these you know you can't we touch them so you know they they're so sort of above the law, especially in Nigeria, that the change is not going to come from any internal. Uh, well, I shouldn't say any, but it's not going to be easy to come about internally. But uh, international pressure is what is really what needs to come about. But the problem is, 
And the challenge is that, you know, the people that you would you'd want to bring that pressure themselves are under the same pressure. In other words, how can the U.S. government, you know, tell the Nigerian government and SARS and stop killing black men <laughs> and stop right. shooting, attacking protests? We're doing the same thing here. So, right. you know, the, the, the resistance, you know, needs to be persistent and continue on both sides because it feeds the other. When you when you're able to to bring about um, true accountability of, of of law enforcement and political uh, folks in positions of power here in the U.S., then it's much more easier to make that make that uh, make that argument on the continent. You know what people can do is is get active online, um, stay active online, share the information that's coming out, the hashtags. Um, their demands that are being put forth for the government, you know, uh, sh you know, share share those demands. Connect with um, the feminist coalition. You can Google them in Nigeria. Um, there's another coalition against uh, police uh, police violence in Nigeria. You know, and uh, a good news source, and and I, and I say that with some weight, some sort of you know, well. It's a Pulse magazine, but there, there's a lot of really good newspapers in Nigeria. The problem is they also many of them are also owned by some of these same very powerful people, so mm -hmm. you kind of have to weigh that. But um, you know, to, to organize locally to deal with um, the things that confront you locally wherever you are, while at the same time sharing and spreading spreading the information about what's happening elsewhere and what you can do. Um, they, I, I think uh, there was some fundraising that was going on, uh, but much of that has actually ended. Uh, they specifically uh, ended the fundraising. They actually raised, uh, I know they raised at least a half a million dollars. Um, and, you know, I'm converting it to dollars, you know, but, and, and much of that was used to help, you know, sort of sustain the protesters on the streets to get them water, medical treatment, you know, things like that. Um, but since that's not happening, you know, and the, and and uh, I mentioned them before, uh, Feminist Coalition is one of the groups that actually they published like their whole like everything they got with the stand on, really, really trying to be transparent. But now it's like you know, when these things continue, the, the, the chances and likelihood of mismanagement, and lack of accountability tends to grow. So. Because of that, they just said we're not gonna we're not taking any more money. This is we, we, this is what we're gonna do. What we have and so on and so forth. But there are smaller groups um, that can be supported. There, you know, there was a protest um, this last uh, Sunday, and there probably will be others ongoing in, in in Nigerian embassy. You know, that's something folks can 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 join and be, and be part of. Uh, Nigeria has in the U.S. Nigeria has embassy in Washington D.C. right there by, you know. Um, Vaness area. They have an embassy in Atlanta, and they have an embassy in New York, and they have an embassy in uh, Texas. I think of Dallas. I'm not sure about that one, but I know about the, the ones in Atlanta, New York, and, and DC. You know, uh, and Nigerians who are living in the U.S. are protesting in their uh, at the embassy. You know, join them. Um, you know, Nigerians are protesting in embassies all over the world, including London. Join them. Uh, they're they are confronting their politicians because this is about bad governance. They're, you know, uh, one of the um, there's, there's a video that's circulating around uh, of uh, the son of the former governor of Lagos, and, and the former governor of Lagos is still one of the most powerful, probably the most powerful man in Lagos. Despite you know not being in office, he still sort of runs things like a gangster mm -hmm. from behind. So his sons are, you know, part of his, you know, minions and what have you. So when this protest happened, they got on a plane and, and went to London. And when they got to London, protesters met them, and it was, you know, they, they were basically clowning them, throwing water at them, you know, <laughs> just chasing them, yeah, running the car, right? So you know, that's so, you know, you, you have to shame these people because they are, you know, they, they seem shameless. Um, but but they need to be shown that they you know they, we, we're we're tired of of the mismanagement, the abuse, the corruption, the violence, in all the forms that it comes in. Um, so you know maintain pressure. Um, it's not going to be easy, and, and it's not going to be a, a a quick fix. 
I know it, we we always want they want we always want to see the results of our efforts. It's not re, always realistic. Sometimes, you know, it's it's a passing of the baton and a passing of the baton a few times to find the results in in that thing that we're all fighting for. Um, so I would say, you know, persistence and consistency and do what you can locally and support others that are doing similar. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. You dropped so many gems right there. Um, <clears throat> and I definitely appreciate you um, saying that, like, we have to, like, name what is happening and, like, shame these people and let them know, like, exactly what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. And um, that's definitely something that I always use my voice to do. But I want to encourage other Black people to do that as well. I think that we oftentimes experience a lot of um, hesitance around that. You know, we don't want to upset other people or anything, but we still want to advocate for our issues. Um, but, you know, knowing when the time is to really speak out and um, speak on things forwardly. So I really appreciate you for saying that. Um, and then you also mentioned um, being persistent and being consistent. Um, and so I want to know, like, what advice would you give um, to Black people globally um, to our community globally, um, and definitely Black Americans who are experiencing like burnout and helplessness um, in the midst of you know, the summer protests and then COVID-19 and the upcoming elections. How do we refresh ourselves so that we can uh, remain persistent in fighting for our global community? Hmm. Yeah, th that, that's a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, one thing is you have to know why you're doing it. Um, no, whatever, whatever activity, activist activity you're engaged in, know why you're doing it. Um, you know, don't do it because your friend does it or whatever. Understand the issues. Actually, you know, study the issues. See what it is, what it is, what it is about the issue that, you know, that upsets you that you want to change. That's going to be key to sustaining your activity. Because if you're just doing it because it's what everybody else is doing, um, that's gonna change. You know, the zeitgeist is gonna change, the energy is gonna change. Uh, there were a lot of, <laughs> there were a lot of brothers out there wearing, uh, you know, uh, wearing uh, barrettes and, you know, and leather jackets and with their fists in the air, in the air, you know, back in the day, you know, before they got, you know, they, they changed in, in different ways. I should say their activities dramatically. They they weren't about that. That's the ethnic stuff anymore. But they got all the ethnic uh, stuff for everybody else. Let you know, me know that Clarence that. Thomas used to be a, used to be a, at least he used to be a member of a Black Panther Party somewhere. So you know, um, the, the point is that you know, be clear on why you're doing what you're doing, and be conscious of it. Um, don't just don't just be satisfied with being um, there. Because it's going to be your consciousness, your uh, your raising of your own awareness that's going to sustain you in the movement. Um, read. I mean, there are a lot of. There's very little. That, there's, there's very little that's, that's absolutely new, right? There, there's a lot of literature. There are a lot of scholars. There are a lot of activists that have come. You know, a lot of movements that have come before us, and they're already connected in various ways. Learn about them. Um, educate yourself about your own specific city or environment, what's happened, what's happened there in your state, what have you. Um, but I would say, you know, educating yourself about the issue is, is critical. Um, and, and, and it's also important, I know it's difficult, but it's important to recognize that this has been a long distance uh, battle. I mean, if, we, if, if, you know, I, I could go into a whole tangent, um, you know, the, the struggle that Black people have been in for a while, um, it goes way back, right? Yeah. Um, it goes even back before slavery. There's a uh, there's an interesting incident that I would suggest your 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 uh, listeners look up the Zang Rebellion. Z Z A J Z A J Zang Rebellion, um, which happened in 1600. No, 600, 600 AD, um, in what is now Iraq. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, the first people to transport black people into slavery were the Arabs. 
um, Saudi Arabia, and, and some of that is, that history is connected to to Egypt and the fall of Egypt, and when once they took over the north, they started going south. You know, that's a whole other thing. But um, you know, since then, you know, the Sanjabit Rebellion was the first rebellion of black people who were being oppressed by others. Um, and you know, and of course, the, the transatlantic slave trade wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the the flourishing of the of the trans-Saharan slave trade, which preceded, mm -hmm. so it's all connected, right? Um, but you know, everything that begins comes to an end. We we have to maintain our our consciousness and our persistence because uh, we have several things in our favor. I mentioned Nigeria as an, you know as the focal point because of the discussion. Nigeria is is not just the most populous um, country uh, in Africa, but to put it in perspective, Nigeria has more than half the population of the U.S. today. More than half the population of the U.S. today. By not, by by 2050, Nigeria is, is projected to have more people in it than the U.S. And by that same time, the U.S. is projected to have well, white people, white people will now no longer be a majority of the population. So you look at the world in 30 years, where Nigeria is bigger than the U.S. in terms of population, and the U.S. is, not, is no longer majority white um, in its population. Um, there, are some, you know, there, there are movements that are beyond us that, 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 are, that are moving in our favor, but we need to remain persistent in, in, our, in our resistance to the oppression that we face, no matter how hard it how it may appear to be um and don't be don't have the expectation it's going to end this summer i know a lot of folks when 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 they started marching i talked to a lot of young people and they were like oh we it's going it's it's it's, it's the last one it's going to happen you know and i appreciate that but i knew that that wouldn't be right because that's not how it works we didn't get here overnight yeah at least in america it took us over 500 years just to get here in america right so this is a this this is a a, a protracted uh, struggle, and you know the solution will be somewhat protracted as well. So, but it, it's about us being consistent because as we're consistent, we're able to chip away more and more. And in the meantime, we're building our coalition, coalition, and connecting with other people who are in other parts of the world. As the world gets smaller and smaller, we realize that we're not. I mean, we, we, of course, black folks, you know, we're not a minority. <laughs> right so you know connecting with, with with the rest of our people demonstrates that you know we actually are a, a substantial uh uh portion of the human population and of course we are we're the oldest and, and the mothers and fathers of, of them all mm -hmm. but at the same time we are you know our numbers are growing while others numbers are diminishing so the world is transforming back to what it used to be but we have to be ready for that, you know. Uh, even even if even if uh, the United States was was um, you know 50% black, if the mentality of the folks are not about black empowerment, they're still going to be oppressed. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. White folk can be one percent of the population and still run the whole country mm -hmm. if our minds ain't right. So we have to we have to you know uh, do our you know stay educated, stay conscious, and and build our coalition and be persistent. Do not, you know, don't, don't do this just because you want to see the result of it. We, we, we all want to see the result of it, but it's not, it may not happen in your lifetime, but you have to be willing to give your life until it's done. And if it's not in your, in your life, then it's a person that you touched. It's your children, your grandchildren, your, your, your mentee, whatever, what have you. That has to be our approach because this is not going to be, it ain't going to be over in 2020. I know 2020 is terrible, right? It's not going to be over, you know, this year or next year. But 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 we can make a significant progress in the meantime, and that, and that's our job is to do what we can while we can do it. Period. Do what we can while we can do it. Period. I love that. Yes, thank you for sharing that. And um, a lot of the things that you shared just in that little nugget. Um, I'm excited to hear you say those things, um, especially about continuing our education. And I know that that is something that you all do at Appeal Incorporated. Yes. You do financial literacy and also um, cultural and historical literacy. 
Um, and so some of the things that you said there um, definitely um, intrigued me to explore those things more. Um, and so for the listeners, um, how can we stay in contact with um, the historical and cultural literacy that you're offering um, and also education about this movement as it continues to progress? Absolutely. Um, in terms of appeals, I'm, I'm honored to, to represent. Um, we, have, in fact, we have a workshop this Saturday on, uh, on, on money and how money works and the origins of money and, and, and how you can, some things you can do to, to really empower yourself with this financial system that we currently have. Um, we, have we, we tend to alternate between uh, financial literacy workshops and historical culture literacy workshops. And sometimes, you know, they're interconnected in the subject matter because it tends to all be interconnected. So mm -hmm. this, this Saturday, we actually ha we're actually kicking off a series. Um, you can go to appealinc.org, A-P-P-E-A-L-I-N-C.org, uh, um, and you can sign up um, for the workshop that we have um, this Saturday. So we're talking about the origin of money and, and really how to, how to uh, make the most of this financial system. And, and these systems are going to change over time. And we're going to have workshops going on between now and you know probably until December, um, we'll probably engage with some stuff during Kwanzaa, and then you know we'll be kicking off with a, a historical uh, literature series uh, coming up in um, in January, beginning of January. So you know we're, we're you know it, we have a lot of activities, we have a lot of committees, a lot of um, uh, different platforms. Folks can go to the website, find out more about appeal. If they want to join, they can join and get engaged in one of the committees, whatever your passion is. We have a, a think tank. Uh, we have a, a Black Saturday co-op where we partner with black manufacturers of everyday products because we got to make what we use just on the basic level. This, ain't, this isn't really um, not rocket science in a sense. You know, and and we're, not, we're not selling specialty products. We're not selling gifts. I mean, candles are nice, right? Black folk need, need soap, we need bathroom tissue, we need paper towels, we need detergent. Real basic stuff, right? So uh, we have, fortunately, have black manufacturers that make all these things. So mm -hmm. what we're doing is partnering with them and, 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 and bringing their products in one place where you can just go and buy them, right? So that's a real sort of a simple thing, but it's really important because it, it, it not only empowers us as a community, it empowers them to keep making those products um, going into the future. You know, so, you know, uh, that's something folks can be engaged in. Uh, the next co-op is not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Uh, but it's a lot of different platforms Appeal has. So just go to appealinc.org. That's a good way to stay engaged, stay engaged with me. Um, that's usually uh, where I'm at. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and um, I'm not really, uh, I'm somewhat active on social media, but not so much. Um, but, you know, but appealinc.org is probably, and follow Appeal, Appeal Inc. Um, is the is the hashtag my hashtag the um the social media handle you know on we got Twitter we got uh, Facebook we got Instagram so you can follow act our activities on there as well. Okay, awesome. We'll definitely be connecting with you from the birds, bees, and teas um, page and sharing some of that information to our followers and friends as well. Um, the last question that I want to ask you. Um, <clears throat> Considering um, the some of the literacy and other courses that you all offer, um, a, a large portion of my listeners are sex educators um, and people who work within sexual and reproductive health. So how do you see um, the resources that we have in the sexual health and reproductive health communities um, intertwining or aligning with what you all are already doing at Appeal? Um, just like, what are the resources that we can use to um, move both uh, issues forward? Um, I, I would love to give you all an opportunity to, to, to have a workshop, you know, to share with, share with um, our audience in the community, you know, the, the issues and the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, we often touch on some, on some related topics, you know, but I don't think we've ever really done a workshop on, on uh, reproductive rights or sexual violence specifically even though it's touched on you know through different different workshops but you know that's something we could do is actually have you all you know if you have uh, a speaker or if you like to speak or if you have if you have a group like to speak 
or do a workshop on that. I think uh, we, um, the chair of our historical cultural literacy uh, committee, um, McKinney, uh, she actually, uh, she runs, and this is outside of the organization, uh, outside of the appeal, I should say, Mm -hmm. She actually uh, does a, uh, a a womanhood training um, program. It's uh, uh, it's like a, a rites of passage program for, okay. for women, where they they deal with a lot of issues related to um, uh, sexuality and you know and sort of womanhood and you know. All the, all the things that are that are associated within terms of society and 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 you know developing your person and really uh, you know self care and things like that. So that's something that um, that she she focuses on in, in one of her entities that she works with. So I'm sure she'd be more than happy to to have and you all come on and if you, if you go to a website, um, you, you you know go to even look at, look at the committees, you see her information. You can also contact her about that as well. You know they have. I know they have um, uh, groups in uh, New Jersey, uh, D.C., Baltimore, and a few other places that they work with Atlanta, I think, as well. Um, so yeah, so th that's definitely connected, and we'd love to you know do more of that. I mean, and she'd definitely be a, a, a very receptive to that. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Igwem. This has been an awesome conversation, very insightful, and I, I learned so much. So I'm very excited to share this with my listeners and um, to continue to connect with you and learn from you. So we appreciate you so much, and thanks for joining and being a part of this. Thank you for the opportunity. Right. Good talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. All right, teasers, thanks for tuning in to that episode. I hope that you all enjoyed it and that you learned something or take something with you to start a new conversation about sex and sexuality with a friend, a family member, or a partner. Please make sure that you all follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Birds, Bees, Tees. That's our handle at Birds, Bees, Tees on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And leave us a review. We appreciate your reviews. We appreciate your feedback. And we definitely take it into account to build more content and bring you more interesting, fun, and sexy topics on Birds, Bees, and Tees. So thank you all again. Like us, follow us, all that good stuff. Subscribe to us on the listening platform that you're using and tune in next week for an all new episode of birds bees and teas